Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Forrest here with us here today, who is the founder and president of the Conscious Network. The Conscious Network has helped many thousands of individuals improve their quality of life and realize their potential through our mission to spread the values of awareness, compassion, service, community, well-being, physical and psychological, and environmental sustainability. Its goal is to help create a healthier, more sustainable, more harmonious, and just community and world. Conscious Network has grown since early 2016 into a leading Santa Barbara educational and community building organization. To fulfill its mission, the Conscious Network produces ongoing programs and major events that combine informative, impactful speakers with a robust networking platform that enables community resource and capacity sharing across a wide demographic. The programs and events, including such well names as Dr. Dan Siegel, Jack Canfield, Drs. Kathleen and Gay Hendricks, Dr. Michael Bernard Beckwith, Deva Pramal, did I say that name right? Correct. And Mitten and many others have seen audience sizes grow dramatically and have attracted formal recognition from the city of Santa Barbara, as well as over 100 Santa Barbara media features. Forrest, welcome and thank you so much for being here. Thanks very much. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, and I'm excited to have this conversation because I think that, I think it's so fascinating the way that you really encompass what well-being is. And I feel like well-being often unfairly gets only one metric or so allotted to us, allotted to it in our life where we'll say, if I'm happy or if I'm being successful or, you know, if I'm in a relationship, but you really have well-being being this more broad spectrum of encompassing all of life. Do you want to go ahead and just chat about that for a little bit first, just to start us off? Sure. Well, you know, the emphasis that I placed on well-being in my own life and in my value system is really rooted in the experience I had as a teen, as a teenager, from age 17 to about 21, 22, when I was struck with a a set of serious illnesses that were uh, incredibly painful. I had to navigate through that over a course of years. And I'm happy to go more into what exactly happened, but essentially what what I realized is that without your health, wealth, why, where's your quality of life? And I don't just mean your physical health. I mean your health and your social health, your emotional health, your physical health, your spiritual health, your financial health. And, and so the, the, the goal, I think that on some level, everybody is pursuing this, what they, uh, what they consider on some level to, will lead to their well-being, right? Mm-hmm. So your motivation, my motivation, everything we do on some level, I, I believe, is motivated by this desire to experience well-being. And the way that we pursue that and what we define as, 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 as what will lead to that is different for everybody. And very often, you know, we're confused about what will lead to that. So some people um, may, may believe that certain ways of life or certain, uh, certain ways of approaching their life in the various areas of their life will lead to well-being, fulfillment, health, et cetera, and they really don't. So it's just really important to gain clarity about um, not only the science, but the common sense behind what actually will lead to well-being. And there are certain, there are certain common threads that run through everyone's life. Uh, you know, it, it, in some ways, it's different for everybody. But there are certain 
principles that apply across the board usually. Do you, would you, so maybe we can go in a little bit deeper to this. You're saying you had some medical challenges and was it, was your reasoning for seeking out this well-being piece because you were not getting answers to the traditional medical route or was it that you were and you were looking at it as kind of a company treatment? What was the reasoning for that? Well, I mean, I think when you're sick, uh, your desire for wellness is, is, is magnified that much more. You know, when, when, you're, when you don't have enough money, your desire for money is magnified that much more. So I think by being sick and being in so much pain and being so confused about why and what, what I could do about it, that that created this, at the time, this burning desire to create well, well-being, total well-being. And so I think that's really where it came from. Um, and I think you had another part of your question. Can you repeat it? Yeah. Were you seeking out this well-being because you were finding that traditional, uh, traditional medicine, as we would call it, approaches for curing or diagnosing your illnesses weren't being successful? Or was it also as an accompaniment to it? Yeah. Well, I grew up, you know, I come from a family with an integrative medical doctor. So I never fully placed all my trust in the allopathic model of pharmaceuticals, et cetera. I mean, I think they have a place, but I, it, during the process, my healing journey, I never really placed most of my, uh, I never really emphasized that as the primary strategy for healing. Uh, and so that was never my approach. In fact, I, I wanted to stay away from pharmaceuticals as much as I possibly could. Now, I will say that there was a surgery involved and, and without that surgery, I, I would still be suffering today. Uh, and so it definitely has its place, but I don't think that it's the whole picture. I think that the traditional medical model of the Western world is, is, is very limited uh, and it does not see the totality. Of, for example, one person who, I, who, I, who, who, who was one of my mentors through this healing process, uh, is a med is, she calls herself a medical intuitive, but she was a, an attorney before she became a medical intuitive. One of the things she teaches is that your physical symptoms are actually uh, a quote-unquote message or uh, they point to a deeper imbalance of some sort, whether it be in your relationships, your finances, your emotions, a belief that you may have that may be limiting or disempowering. So usually most of the time, and I, I know there's, I don't think there's science that is there have been studies that have backed this up, but intuitively and um, uh, uh, intuitively, I, I've chosen to believe that that usually a physical symptom will point to something deeper. And you know, the traditional allopathic model does not even look at that. And so I just think there's a lot of things missing. <clears throat> when you when you talk about well-being forced it seems like yours is a much more sustainable way of talking about it versus I feel like a lot of traditional Western culture well-being has evolved into quick fixes. Let me, let me have a piece of chocolate. Let me watch a show on Netflix. Let me, you know, drink some alcohol. Let me, you know, and it's almost like we go through life and our concept of well-being is just continuing to put band-aids over wounds, continue to put band-aids over over scars that haven't healed, if you will. And when I hear you talk about it, it's with really diving in, looking at these different facets of ourself, it seems like it's a much more sustainable. You're not looking at just the bandaid, you're looking at how do we cure the wound so the bandaid's not needed, right? 
Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think that on a deeper level, and I was sharing with this with you before this interview, that, you know, if every, if you believe that everybody has a, a unique purpose in life, or I believe we all have unique purposes in life, it's not just one purpose. There are a number of different purposes that are unique to each of us. And maybe some, you know, collectively as a humanity, there are some common uh, purposes. But essentially, if one is motivated and driven to fulfill that purpose, or they feel that sense of higher calling within them, they feel something that, that there's something deeper and more meaningful that they want to do with their life, or they're already on that path. Well, coming back to this idea and possibility of creating total well-being, uh, that's like you're building your capacity to fulfill your purposes in life. Like you cultivating your own well-being, your health, your, your, your vitality, is you, it's your capacity building capability in one way. Mm. There are other things that you can do to build capacity. But when you have the energy and the aliveness and the clarity and the brain function to really go after your purposes in life, then you, know, you can really fulfill your reason for being. So number one, I think to make this sustainable is you got to have a, a really solid why or a reason for a reason behind your, your existence. You, you want to be in, you want to get in touch and contact your unique why, you know, a lot of people talk about find your why, right? But it's so true. And, and when you find that, you know, and you have a whatever it takes kind of attitude, well, it's not, it's not too much of a stretch to leap to, um, knowing the importance of addressing well-being in, in, because you see that it really increases your capacity to pursue what you really want. <clears throat> so I'd say my first answer is to your question, as far as making it sustainable, sustainable well-being is that, is exactly that, because then you're not looking for the quick fix. You're, you're really looking to create real well-being that lasts, right? Mm not just to feel better in the moment because you're really looking to accomplish something much bigger and more meaningful than just feeling good better in the moment. So uh, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I want to play with that a little bit. Did you, did you come did you uncover this from experiential? Was this an experiential journey for you to really, because I think it's fascinating and how you define it as, <clears throat> well-being is expanding capacity to fulfill purpose. I've never heard that before. And, I, and it's such an, a fascinating example. And so I have a bunch of questions I want to ask around that, but and for the sake of not asking all of them at once, we'll start with this and then we'll expand from there. Was this something that, was this a, a was this an experiential process that you developed this understanding or was it a, more of like an insight that you're, you're lying in and all of a sudden you wake up in the middle of the night and you start writing a piece of paper down. How, I mean, how did you come across to looking at well-being as this way? Yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of it was experience, but I had a lot of studying about it. I, a lot of mentorship, a lot of teachers, uh, uh, but experience trumps all of that. And so first off, when I was a little kid, I had this feel this, feeling this this feeling towards a higher calling i just felt like there was i wanted to serve the world in some way i wanted to help heal heal uh the world in some way you know, and contribute to the healing of the world 
however that looked like. At the time, I didn't know what it looked like. And still, I'm discovering today. Uh, so there was already the seed of, a high, of desiring to fulfill some kind of higher purpose. Right? But when I felt sick, when I was ill, well, I was debilitated. So when I'm stuck in bed in pain all the time, there goes, my, there goes pursuing my higher purpose, right? It wasn't possible at that point because I, was, I couldn't function. Uh, so it was just clear as day that in order to really live a life and thrive uh, and, pers- and, and fulfill my reasons for being, uh, that I was going to have to heal. So I think that's where that connection came from. Force, why do you feel like, where do you feel like that, let me think of how I want to phrase this. You're a great interviewer, by the way. Oh, thanks. You're, you're a great interviewee. And I, you're, you're bringing up so many interesting points that it's, it's like firing these different parts of my brain right now that, want, that <laughs> the curiosity sensors are going off. You know, we're looking at this concept of healing and I, I, let's just keep playing with this broader scope of it. Why do you feel that so many people or many people maybe do not heal and how can we change that? Is it something that it's, is it something that <clears throat> we could introduce in education? Is it something that we, and, and by education, not just adult education, but childhood education, is it something that is it is an individual journey? You know, where, where do you think that opportunity, where do you think the, first of all, the limitation is on healing and where do you think the opportunity is to course correct that? Sure. I'm going to start, I'm going to start giving you my response and, and you let me know if I'm going in the right direction here uh, as far as addressing your question. Uh, so systemic change would be great. I mean, but then we're getting more into the political realms of things. Being able to introduce wellness principles to school children, to high schoolers, to college students. I mean, if I were in office, I would be pushing for that. I would probably be pushing for some kind of program where there's at least a five minute video before every class or once a week that outlines principles for well-being and fulfillment and emotional intelligence building, et cetera. But, you know, that's not really my focus right now. I'm not, you know, in in office or anything. So uh, I think that uh, people, first off, there's not really an extensive education about how to create well-being that is given to us. So you kind of have to be a self-starter in some ways. and pursue it because the information is really out there and it's just not the right information is not just handed to us like like it is in a history class you know through grade school middle school high school you may need the information is presented to you so number one you have to kind of go after it you have to make a decision you know i'm really interested in this and and i'm going to study it two is that complacency in our societies pretty significant. We live in a microwave culture, you know, we have your phones, you can send whatever you really want as far as you want to call someone, there you go. You want to hop on a video call, two seconds, etc. So there is a microwave culture and to learn a, a craft well requires a lot of time and concentration and discipline and focus. And well-being is a, is a skill just like any other skill. And so that requires really time and, and, and honing that in. So there's another reason, but 
I also think that some people feel like it's just so far away. I mean, when I was really not doing well, when I was totally depressed and, and sick physically and emotionally, I just felt like it was so far away. It was just such a far-fetched reality to think that I could become somebody who could thrive and be happy and, and have he great health and, and all the good, goodness that comes with and from that. So there was almost a little bit of feeling dis disheartened. Like that is just so far away. But I was lucky enough at the time to be in so much pain that, that I just felt like I had to take the steps. And I said to myself at the time, I just take the littlest step now from where I am and keep doing that, then eventually the situation will change. So if people realize they are where they are, there's another possibility they can step into, but they are where they are right now. And the only, the only thing that they can do about that right now is to take the next step in front of them. Even if it's a little tiny step, just take that little tiny step because then you can take another little tiny step. And soon enough, the steps get bigger. Right, the steps get become you become stronger, you become more effective, you become more capable, and the steps get bigger, and then there's this momentum that builds, and soon enough you're there. Soon enough, over time you've achieved a life where you have this you th you're thriving, and thriving doesn't necessarily mean that you have like tons of money in the bank. I mean, if what I'm referring to as thriving in this particular context is basically living a vibrant life. I mean, you feel happy, fulfilled, like you have a meaningful life, you have the energy and the stability that you need, you have the clarity about the kind of lifestyle you want to live, and you have the uh, commitment to actually live it. So uh, taking those daily steps, yeah. Force having the gift of hindsight now, I, you said, when you're in it, it feels so far away. And I think that's such an important point because I feel like so many people are paralyzed by indecision and fear because it seems such an impossible journey. They can't see, what is the expression? We can't see the forest beyond the tree or we can't see the tree beyond the forest. I, I, yeah, I don't even know if that ever, whenever I did quite make sense to me, but essentially it is, is we don't, you know, we don't know what's coming next. Looking at with the gift of hindsight right now, was it actually as far away as you thought it was, or was it closer than you initially thought? It's a great question. For me, it was, it was pretty far away. It was pretty far away. Um, but that's because of the underlying medical issues going on that weren't completely resolved for a number of years. Somebody in another position who may not actually be dealing with a physical medical problem that is the ability to move forward probably would could do it more quickly. Um, so in hindsight, that that would be my answer. If you could talk to that version of yourself who's sitting there looking at things, because I'm thinking of the person right now who may be watching and they have the purpose they're 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 on board they're they're wanting to expand their capacity but they're also struggling with whatever it is feeling so far away whether that's you know evolving their business evolving their health whatever that is for them 
<clears throat> if you could go back and have a conversation with yourself at that point where you're thinking it's so far away and you could give that version of yourself any advice for beginning that maybe if you would have had then it would have made a difference. What advice would that be? I, I just think the advice would be uh, whatever it takes and it's worth it. Hmm. Uh, I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Those two statements, whatever it takes, it's worth it. And two of my favorite things to share are, I, I just feel like number one, get started, number two, keep going. And those two things uh, are two of the most important success principles. Um, so, mm -hmm. I love that. Force, I wanna, I wanna fast forward to today and looking into the future now. I know that the Conscious Network has been putting on lots of live events. And with the, at the time of this recording now, May 11th, 2020, we're in that middle of the coronavirus, COVID-19, social distancing, quarantine, lockdown, all those types of things. Where are you, how is the, co how is the Conscious Network evolving during this time to still fulfill the mission that you set it out on to begin with? Well, like a lot of people, a lot of digital programs and webinars, uh, a lot of digital meetings about health, about finances, about relationships. Um, but in California, we don't know when we'll be able to really do what, we, what our charter initially was set for, which are live community building gatherings with, with renowned speakers that come into their very elegant evenings. So it's, there's a lot of uncertainty. What I do know is that they'll continue when we're allowed to. It might be a little different than it was before, depending on how long it takes to get back to, uh, back to some semblance of normal normality. Uh, and it may even be some time after the lockdowns are lifted before we host an event because the psychological forces that are driving people's choices now are very strong. So will people actually come uh, to the programs as much as they would that as they were before, simply because there's hundreds of people there. So, uh, you know, in the time of the virus, there is a, a significant level of uncertainty about what's, wh what things are gonna look like next for the consciousness network. And that's okay. I mean, I'm okay with that. That's all right. I'm grateful for what it, it has been and what it has become. Uh, and when the time comes, it will continue. And what that's going to look like specifically is kind of unknown now, but kind of, in some ways it's unknown, but we'll see. You know, this is kind of a random question, but how important do you feel that community is in expanding our capacity for purpose? That's a great question. And something that I, ha I mean, I haven't really deeply explored that uh, as much as some of the other aspects of well-being. But what I do know is that when, uh, when I have a, a community around me, there's an energization. There's like an energy to it. Mm. 
there's more of a, uh, an aliveness that I feel. I think one of the ways that human beings gather energy for themselves is from connection with other people. And so in that, in that sense, um, plus when you're connected with humanity, it's easier to feel that desire to serve and help heal, help contribute to the healing of humanity when you have humanity around you. So I think that being connected to a community can be very motivating um, and it can be a big reinforcement. If you're somebody who lives with an open heart and with a strong sense of purpose and you know, usually you're, the, the feedback you're gonna get from people usually going to be positive. And by feedback, I mean, relationships are a mirror, right? So hmm. if you're receiving positive feedback in your interactions from others, not that they explicitly say, Hey, I'm going to give you some feedback, but implicitly, like, how do they respond to you? That that's a good mirror for, for where, where you're coming from, where you're at. I, I think so. I think that relationships are a mirror. And so you can use that to develop a greater self-awareness. And if you're doing a great job already, uh, then that positive reinforcement is very empowering because there's a lot of good, positive, empowering energy coming at you from, from people mm. around you. Um, it's, it's, it's encouraging. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. This is, this is just coming out right now. It's mm -hmm. not something I've really... No, that's what I love about it. I, I love about it. And I think you know, something I've learned to appreciate about you, Forrest, is you strike me as a guy who, who is willing to ask questions of self, of life, that you may not know the answers to. I think sometimes we, we are hesitant to ask questions because we might be scared or uncertain of what's on the other side of those. And we settle for making statements or stalemates in a way that will just leave us going through the groundhog day thing versus asking what what is the real what is my real curiosity what's really this what is really well-being mean for me sure and i think that's such an extraordinary trait that you possess because as i'm talking to you i'm almost observing you asking or re-asking the question i ask you in a way and it's 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 a really it's a really I think it's a really extraordinary characteristic and, and ability to do that. And I think, and I just want to acknowledge you for that because I feel like many of us might be resistant to ask questions of ourselves, And that also leads me to another question. What, what is, what are the two biggest questions that you're asking yourself daily or that, are, that you're seeking answers to right now? Well, thanks for your kind words. First of all, mm -hmm. uh, the two biggest questions, that is a great question. Well, one I think is what would be most meaningful? Uh, what, what would be most meaningful to me uh, as far as my life and the direction I go in and, and how I show up in the world and for the world? So, so this idea of pursuing success versus meaning has fascinated me. I, you know, when, when you pursue success, there's almost a little bit more of well, I want to be successful, right? But when you pursue meaning, well, that can include success, but usually it's success in a way that means something to the people around you as well. Mm -hmm. 
So for me, I'm, I, I, I often ask the question of, of how of meaning, like you know that book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I think it comes down, I, a lot of this whole life game comes down to that. So I ask myself that a lot. And then the other question, this is gonna sound a little like a little, it's basically how can, how can I feel fulfilled and happy, you know, and how can I thrive and feel like I'm thriving? And in a sense, some people might think that that sounds selfish, but again, if we bring it back to the capacity building, that being able to experience and create that sense of meaning in life through your unique contribution to the world and through who you are, uh, your capacity to fulfill that one huge part of it is your your own fulfillment your own well-being so i think those two questions are always running through my mind mm. and by the way meaning going back to that also includes relationships too i mean it, it really includes what people whatever people uniquely feel drawn to uh, as their unique definition of meaning but for me it means close relationships family and close friends uh, good health, uh, good fulfillment, emotional well-being, uh, good friendship and community, contribution to the world, uh, spirituality, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. For ourselves, ask one more question. You've been so great with your time, and we're going to, out of respect of everybody else's, I want to make sure we, we stay on time here. Looking at that idea of <clears throat> what can I you know, what is fulfillment? How can I thrive? How can I live a vibrant life? You know, at the time of this recording, as we noted, we're in the middle of the Corona COVID-19 lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, has that, has asking that question, has your answer changed and evolved the last six, eight weeks in the way, it, it, well, I guess we've been on shelter in place for about, yeah, almost two months now. Mm-hmm. So has that question and the answer that typically follows, has it evolved at all in the last eight weeks? And if so, in what way? Now, the question is about, what, what's the question again? About thriving, about how can I live a vibrant, thriving, fulfilled life? Well, uh, a lot of it has stayed the same. Hmm. And I think that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, a lot of it has stayed the same. The same principles, for example in creating well-being, having a connection to nature, uh, having a healthy body, well, good nutrition, diet, water, et cetera, movement, uh, having a healthy mind where you're stimulating your mind, you're challenging your mind. I mean, a lot of the basic principles are pretty universal and have remained the same. So it's a good test. If you can go through a challenging time like this and, and, if you if you remain true to the principles that you live by, you can really see: are they sustainable? Are they are they lasting through this? And are they working through this? Are they achieving the results that you want? As far as your own personal ability to thrive and have personal well-being, so I think that a lot of it has stayed the same, and yet, in a way that it's different, is really valuing intelligence more uh, and critical thinking more. Because reactive, re, react, emotional reactivity uh, 
and the fears that are associated with it really hinder the ability for someone to think rationally and logically and clearly. So I, I think that in, in this time when there's millions and millions of different opinions floating around and misinformation, and it's hard to, to navigate what's true from false, that the ability to step back and think critically and intelligently is really important. I mean, we talk about following your heart and following what would be most meaningful in life, but there's strategy that needs to go behind that. And the strategy needs to be sound. This, the, the strategy doesn't need to be, always need to be sound all the way through, but we need to always be adjusting and learning how it can be more sound than it has been for us before. Mm-hmm. So to have a sound strategy, you need to think critically and think clearly. So I think that I've learned that, that that's something that I've learned. Of course, this has been incredible. Everyone, you're going to rewatch, re-listen, take notes. My goodness, was there a lot here from really looking at what well-being is to you and how perhaps right now is there an incredible opportunity to expand your capacity of what well-being is and can be. That looking at well-being is not just something as simple as grabbing a bite of a chocolate bar and having that be, but looking at it as a way of of evolving how you look after and, and bring meaning into your life and the different facets of life, whether it's your health, your wealth, your relationships, looking at into living out your purpose or purposes that we could have more than one. I love the notion that, you know, challenging the traditional model in Western culture of, of valuing success before above meaning when really looking at maybe it just all boils down to meaning. Force mentioned the seminal work, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, which if you haven't read, it should be required reading for every single human being on the planet. I think it would solve many of our problems right there in a nutshell. I love that he touched on too that the questions he's asking of himself, you know, his answers aren't changing for some of those things that really bring meaning to his life, which I think is so extraordinary that we can be at this unique time in history and still find ways to thrive and be meaningful looking at community and how essential community is and forming connection with others. And many of us are disconnected from our communities right now, or we may find ourselves in a place where we're not able to go back to how things were, which is a wonderful opportunity and invitation to extend to yourself and others of how can you form community now? How can you connect? How can you deepen relationships and make them more meaningful? And above all else, develop strategy behind it. You know, I think oftentimes we approach things like happiness and fulfillment and passion and purpose with a very haphazard way. We'll stumble around in the dark without a flashlight, bump into a wall, and by default, we, when we bumped into this wall, bumped into this wall, we know we've eliminated, and so we must go this way. I would encourage you all to develop the strategy like Forrest said, and if you, instead of going into there and trying to go through the dark and bumping your head against the wall and figuring out that way, take a flashlight with you. Develop a strategy to carve out the path, and in so doing, you will find that the things that you really want will be much more replicable and much more attainable on a consistent basis. Forrest, this has been absolutely incredible, man. Thank you so, so much for sharing. What a blessing this has been. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Jesse. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to